Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, celebrating 90 years of motorsports coverage. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroote was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers download, where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. From the SpeedSport Podcast Studios, powered by MyRacePass, here are your hosts, Justin Prince and Taylor Burris. Welcome to the iRacers Download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. I'm Justin Prince, alongside Taylor Burris, Richard Cole Breath Producing, as we get set for another busy week when it comes to the iRacing world. To say the very least, this week, there's plenty of news to go around. Where do you begin? Let's start things off to put it quite simply. Welcome back to IndyCar. You can now say the word on iRacing because it's official. As of this week, iRacing IndyCar announced an official agreement, a multi-year agreement, reuniting the two brands, including the return of the iRacing Indianapolis 500, all IndyCar series branding, the ability to run the IndyCar in broadcast events, and a license extension of the IMS circuit itself, Taylor. This is by far something we have been count. I have to say, ever since iRacing lost the licensing agreement with IndyCar, I think all of us in the community were just counting down the days till IndyCar returns to iRacing, basically, is what we were doing. We didn't expect it to be within literally, I have to say, 360-some days, I have to say. But it has happened. And a little bit of updates regarding that. So what this will mean is, first and foremost, like Justin said, the iRacing Indianapolis 500 will return with both a open and fixed setup race, which will be happening between May 27th to June 2nd. And this is probably also another thing that I'm excited about. A year-long IndyCar series, basically. Similar to the NASCAR iRacing series and the Formula Grand Prix Tour series utilizing the mercedes f1 car we're going to be seeing the return of the indy cars having a full season schedule with along with su other supplementary series such as a indy car fixed series an open series and then a strictly indy car oval series which all in all justin is a big exciting thing to have happen here once again and it's great to see us now we can say the word indy car on iRacing Yes, and keep in mind, a lot of those in regards to the official series dates you're talking about and the, uh, the IndyCar Open slash the NIS version of those ended up having to be canceled essentially when that license agreement went out the window, remember. Good to have those back, first of all. But second thing second, 
it makes sense to have the return. We talked about it in length so many times about the year that was the Motorsport Games debacle. I'll be quite frank at this rate, because at this point, they've got one license maybe left at this point, and that's based on their property in the first place. But in turn, you're talking about finally having the two platforms reunite, and to say the least, it pretty much came together quickly. You're talking about Christmas Eve. Remember, this was first talked about as a possibility. It was just a matter of when it was going to be on the official announcement side of things. To say it worked that quickly, Taylor, kind of just showcases how dire the situation was at the end of December with the Motorsport Games scenario and the bankruptcy and everything involving that side of things, and how quickly iRacing was able to get it back. I don't think we've ever seen something come within a month like this before. No, we have not. Now, here's the thing I need to stress to all of our listeners and to pretty much anyone, and we'll talk a little bit about this with Arjuna, our guests here in a little bit, uh, is the importance of making sure people who are on the iRacing service, if you want to make sure that we still hold on to the IndyCar license and brand and IMS, you got to go and race in these series. Race this car. Because if you don't, then who's not to say in three or four years we could have the same debacle again? So, Justin, I think the biggest thing is that we have to stress is go out there and race the IndyCar. It is a fun car. iRacing worked extremely hard to make sure they have made this car where it is exactly like driving an Indy car, to an extent. I've talked to drivers who race in the feeder series, in the USF series, and those in the Indy car market, and they say that this car is by far one of the best platforms now after some updates to the Indy car that we saw a couple of years ago. Exactly, and that's one of the main things people have picked up on ever since there was a patch on January the 11th for reference that added a lot of those updates that they've been, well, technically not allowed to put on since you don't own the rights to the car to update, per se. But also, you're talking about special tire branding. That's a new thing I don't think we've had before. So there's a lot of things that are coming into play that hadn't been the case even in the original writing of the agreement. It's pretty clear IndyCar's taking this a little bit more seriously. Now, keep in mind, this is a big thing in terms of communities that are existing already. Because series like Linehart, they kept racing despite the fact they couldn't broadcast. Elite Racing League, they kept racing despite that. And it was to the point where you had the broadcast companies on that side try and go against the embargo, per se. That's another story in of itself from a long time ago now. Even though it's been a year. At this point, though, this is to where it had to come through eventually. You could see the writing on the wall the second the license initially got pulled. There's no way this game's coming into fruition. There's just no way from the motorsport game side. And on the IndyCar side, you're talking about who knows when for a console game. Even they say themselves, iRacing doesn't have the capacity right now, they say themselves. So you have to get an agreement at least with something tangible. And iRacing is the closest thing to tangible. In fact, it's already been tangible for years before last year. Yeah, it certainly is. Now, who's not to say down the road after we see how the NASCAR game that iRacing is releasing in 2025 goes about? 
that we could see iRacing tackle a console game for IndyCar. Granted, it might seem upsetting that we might not see a console game till 2026, 2027, possibly. But at least there is a prospect that if things work out with iRacing in the NASCAR console game, that we could possibly see that same success with IndyCar down the road, unless IndyCar finds another way to find a console company that can produce an IndyCar game to be continued on that. But here's the thing also, Justin, that I, I want to, and I kind of hope, we see in the coming, in this coming year, actually, in 2024. We see it here with the NASCAR side of things. We have a ladder system. Very, very important ladder system, if you think about it. With the Cars Tour late models, the Tour modified for the NASCAR wheeling modifieds, we're starting to see some progress, possibly, with the NASCAR Arca Menard series, and then, of course, the X Trucks, Xfinity, and our Cup cars. Now, we have at least two of the four, if not more, ladder cars for IndyCar or the Road to Indy. You know, we have the USF car, which does need an update, per se, and there is, in fact, two different USF cars which now are part of the Road to Indy. And then you have the Indy Next, or the Indy AST car, which is an important ladder system. So I, I kind of hope that IndyCar and iRacing work together to where we can get a ladder system for the IndyCar level. We have a ladder system now for basically Formula One on iRacing, if you think about it, with Formula Four, Formula Three, and then the Super Formula can, can be considered a quote-unquote Formula Two car until iRacing scans that possibly, and then Formula One. So that, as well as getting some of the tracks that we need that go along with the IndyCar schedule is an important step to making sure that that bond between the two companies and the fans get to enjoy. And keep in mind, one of the main things that a lot of people may overlook is there is the, quote, more provisions than previous iterations. We already talked about some of the things already that are visual in the first week of the agreement already. But that's not to say... You don't have professional leagues finally on the iRacing side with IndyCar. Remember, that was one of the things when it came to IndyCar was the pro circuit during 2020 with the Invitationals through NBC and that broadcast side. And eventually their transfer over to our factors platforms with the Motorsport Games license ownership. Well, who's not to say something like that doesn't come back eventually or better yet, some sort of connection to that in the virtual world since... Guess what? A lot of the teams that are involved in IndyCar these days do have that virtual connection on the iRacing side alone already. So there's already some, some connections to that. And you're talking about several of the staff members, mind you, for some of these IndyCar teams are some of the top drivers on the platform. Well, just think about it. I just saw on Twitter today, you know, Augusto Canapino, who is part of, of course, the Yonkos racing team. He's a driver for Williams Esports, and he's excited about racing the virtual Daytona 24. You have drivers like Alex Pillow racing for Team Redline occasionally for endurance events. So you have a wide variety of drivers. Tony Kanaan, now retired IndyCar driver, but owner of TK Esports. So you're looking at some of the top names in IndyCar being a part of iRacing and sticking with iRacing 
and working to help grow their platform one way or another through esports competitions. So when the drivers, in part of I, the IndyCar community, are wanting to stick with iRacing, that's something that uh, IndyCar should have looked at and continued to thought about. Even though, yes, I understand a console game is needed because, let's be honest, iRacing is not for everyone, one way or another. It's not something that people could possibly spend hundreds of dollars sometimes compared to maybe spending 30 or $40 to get a game to play on their couch with the Xbox or PlayStation. So it's understandable. And so that's why probably that's what they hope for with motorsports games. But unfortunately, motorsports games could not uphold their bargain or even have the way to create a game. And all this is huge when it comes to being able to have the return to the platform. So there's a lot to think about and there's going to be a lot to keep an eye on in the future days, to say the very least, when it comes to the agreement between IndyCar and iRacing. Again, we'll keep an eye on that here with the iRacers download in the coming months, especially. With the more time you put, the more time agreements can come through. Now, let's switch things over to eNASCAR. We mentioned the cup cars. Well, the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series, which utilizes cup cars, mind you, announced a lot of changes as part of the 2024 season calendar. A couple new racetracks are on the schedule, including Brands Hatch as well as the Iowa Speedway for the first time, as well as the return of Indianapolis Motor Speedway. But the biggest headline out of all of that changes to the formatting. Four races, once again, will have fixed setups. The Chicago Street Course, Daytona. You also throw in Atlanta, Brands Hatch, and Talladega. That will have fixed races. But heat and sprint races make a debut in the Coke Series. They will all be at the short tracks as well as the road courses for the new season. Not only that, but two events will be a live studio audience as well. Both the exhibition race as well as also, I believe, the Homestead Miami race, of course, the season finale will be live events here happening. If I look correctly, I could be wrong on the exhibition race at Daytona. But still, a way to continue the brand of eNASCAR and the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing series where a lot of things are looking exciting for their 15th season so far in this championship. And a couple of new faces are stepping up into the eNASCAR brand for 2024 as well, Justin. Uh, BS Competition is going to not only compete on the sports car side, but also they're going to head and make some left turns only with the eNASCAR. Have not yet made announcements on who's driving for them, but it's great to see that the BS Competition driver team is going to be one to watch for 2024. Yeah, that was an interesting move to me when I seen that and was discussing this with somebody actually before broadcast and was thinking, BMW is not a NASCAR. But here's the counterpoint that the co-announcer for that said event mentioned. Yeah, Williams Esports isn't in NASCAR either. They have Mercedes. What's the difference? And that's kind of what the mindset is. It's esports. You're getting your name out there, I think, is the point that was being made. And the more you think about it, the more it kind of makes sense. Now, here's the big thing I do want to mention in terms of this, and I think this is a curious one, is they're now having regular season stages as well as the playoffs. But here's the difference. It's about the top point score in each regular season stage receiving $3,000 
and a five-point bonus for the playoffs as well. Keep in mind, the playoffs are set by the full regular season based on winning or scoring the most points. And the top four, of course, for the championship finale. But I find that intriguing on the stages part because, one, that adds almost a mini-season within the season. But two, it almost seems like an incentive to try and get drivers to push hard every race. Because in a lot of cases, Taylor... 14 winners in 14 races is kind of rare in some circumstances. Now, if you might not be the multi-time winner of a certain stage, possibly, you might be out $3,000. Yeah, it certainly is going to be the case here. And one more thing to touch about, I have to give a little chuckle to for the uh, BS competition, of course, there main mascot i have to say is a zebra well of course they picked none other than the ford mustang as their choice of card so kind of a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek moment right there i have to give a little chuckle too but yeah as you pointed out a lot of things that could be a big and important thing regarding the stages throughout this season i mean the importance of making sure that you run pretty much every race will matter in order for you to get those much-needed points in order to win at those certain stages and, in a sense, get a little bit of an extra pay bonus. Now, here's the counterpoint that I know some of the drivers on their side may say is absolutely they love the cash bonus part of it. It adds that incentive. I think it's going to make those races even more intense, though, because last year it was extremely intense, I'll quite say, because when you look at it, there were a lot of battles and a lot of pieces of contact. I think that may pick up now because it might be the difference, say, you enter Richmond, and if you're the race leader in the battle for second, it might come down to $3,000 plus the race win, which is usually about $1,000 alone. There's a lot of stress now you're talking about for those types of races now. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is the case here, I have to say, but... You know, as we think about that, I'm with the question is, what more could we expect for the 24, 2024 campaign as far as teams, as far as who's going where, as far as how this will play out? Because there's a lot of things looking ahead going into 2024 and beyond. Because, I mean, Justin, with another season of a couple of more fixed setup races, could we meet now see this series go into now a fixed setup series full-time in 2025, not just the top Coca-Cola series, but all three series. I don't think so, because this leads into the next story here. There was a rumor, a strong rumor, I'll say, that started to spread through every single team the morning of January the 8th around... Actually, January the 9th, I should say. Around 10 or 11 a.m., the main conversation from every single team, this is before social media started to have it pick up steam quickly, there's a possibility they switched to fix for RTP. Well, within 48 hours, you have Tauber D. Hudson having to release a statement saying there is no official announcement or statement about the Road to Pro ladder being fixed set up they plan to keep RTP open set up for 2024. Now, there is apparently the strong possibility that if there wasn't the uproar, this would not be the case. However, 
There's also the fact it got to the point where people were sharing fake document screenshots. We're talking about editing PDFs, Taylor, and saying this is the announcement. It's to that point where people are so divisive on open forces fixed, you have people almost gaslight each other with that. But here's the thing. The conversation started before it even hit social media, before Boyd Hogan became the first major one to say anything. So to answer your question, I don't think it's never gonna I don't think it's ever gonna go fully fixed because there's already such a structure behind the scenes involving the open side that you might see half the field retire. You know what? I, I have to say the the thoughts of fixed versus open, and this is with all of it. Granted, I have to say, yes, sometimes there is people in this community who can't spend 20, 30, 40 hours testing in order to prepare for one race. I get that. But the thing is, though, we see if for people who want to race in the real world, because there is a lot of sim racers who want to try to make it up into the next level of racing. You know, we see that with drivers like Garrett Maynes, like Vincente Salas, and a couple of other drivers in amongst the community who want to take that next step going into racing. Well, I mean, if you think about it, what's a better way than to work on and learn of how to build a setup or come up with some ways to tune to help better handle the car than to have a open setup? Granted, that's where people who are, you know, more of their crew chiefs would go into that. But it's important to realize that things are going to happen like that. So it's a catch-22. Catch you know, the importance with a fixed setup series is literally all you have to do is maybe do a little bit of practice to learn the setup and then go and race. Compared to open setups, which are requiring more testing, more fine-tuning, more adjustments. I think the thing is that I, I think we need to consider looking moving forward, Justin, is maybe giving a fixed setup, per se, but allowing a little bit more tuning as far as like what we see in NASCAR. You know, you get a setup, already set up for say, but you're allowed to make more adjustments throughout the race. You know, in the fixed setups with iRacing, you only, you can't really make that adjustment. You can only adjust the brake bias here or there. You can't adjust air pressures. So I think that's what maybe they need to consider doing in the future if this is the route they're going to take, if this is a possibility where they can adjust, in, or, you know, air pressures, wedge, etc., and maybe even adding more tape down the road, I think that's where they might need to consider. That way it's somewhat everyone has the same setup, but things are also to where they can still make some adjustment to better suit them during the race. I mean, that's, that's what I could think that, I mean, your thoughts on that. I mean, I like the idea because of the fact that some of the setups are that tight that you need those adjustments, honestly. But here's the catch-22 part of that again is, okay, then if you aren't with one of the big teams, then you're in trouble for the fixed side. Because you know why? Because if you don't know the exact adjustment already to make from your fellow teammates or from your team boss or from a, say, setup grouping or anything, uh, that's a disadvantage in itself, and you still have the exact same problem. So if you're in the conversation of trying to get it to where individuals can make it, 
without the team structure. I don't know if it's even possible to do that unless you straight up reboot the entire series because the whole structure is there in the first place, Taylor, to be quite frank. Right. And that's the biggest problem in all this. Here's the other part of this, too, and why so many people like why have a fixed setup series for a qualifier. That basically means you don't hate the practice. That's the key thing is you're talking about for everybody else already. They're using sometimes 10, 20, 30 hours a week or per race week preparating for a respective race to qualify for a chance to run in the professional rankings. If you can just end up coming on in with five minutes of practice and then immediately win the race, what does that really say, first of all? But second, it's not about who's the best in terms of speed or preparation, in terms of race craft, in terms of anything. It's who can drive this setup and do it, and that's it. As in, you're not adapting to the situation. You're adapting to a setup, a specific setup. And you're finding the people who know how to drive a certain one setup more so than anyone who can adapt to situations in three, four wide at the Coke level. Well, we'll have more to discuss as the season progresses and keep track of what's going to happen in the world of eNASCAR. We do have a couple of other news to touch on, but we'll discuss that after we get done with our special guest. He is a two-time VCO award-winning commentator, as well as one of the top voices when it comes to the world of virtual IndyCar, Arjuna Kankapati, next here on The Download. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome back to the iRacers download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by My Race Pass. Just Prince Taylor Burst, Richard Colbert producing. Let's welcome back after some intense discussion involving eNASCAR. Now, we've already had some enthusiastic and also intense conversation involving IndyCar. And Taylor, the next guest, has a lot of connections in that community, don't they? He certainly does. He's kind of similar, I have to say, kind of a boss for us in certain ways when we tap our way over into the Race Spot TV. But he's also one of the, I have to say, top commentators in the world of esports commentary it's of course our friend arjuna kankapati arjuna welcome to the download and thank you so much for your time first and foremost uh welcome to a new year of excitement that we have to bring on in the world of iRacing i have to say thank you for having me thank you for all the compliments not just because i am kind of your boss uh but yeah new year and much excitement, I've got to say. Last couple of days have been a bit of a whirlwind uh, with the announcement that iRacing and IndyCar have their announcement. Uh, it, it's been crazy. It, it certainly has. Now, I, I have to ask, Arjuna, when all of this happened back in 2022, going into 23, when we first heard the announcement of the partnership no longer going to be happening with iRacing and IndyCar, I mean, I know for a fact for you, it was a big surprise and upset to the community that you are a part of with the IndyCars, with Lionheart and several other things, especially the fact that we won't have a Indy 500 in 2023. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people maybe know this, but I used to actually race a decent amount. I did 
SEO, some decently high-level endurance racing, and then got into the IndyCar, but fell out of love with it just before COVID happened, and it coincided with jumping into broadcasting. Of course, you know, COVID made sim racing broadcasting go crazy, and so I jumped in with RaceBot, and basically IndyCar is where a lot of my firsts happened, my first, you know, broadcast, play-by-play, et cetera, et cetera, and so I was bummed, uh, but I'm also one of those people that because I see a lot behind the scenes, I know that there's sometimes more that than meets the eye. I know that the the relationship between iRacing and IndyCar wasn't always the best uh, through some of those iRacing IndyCar challenges, uh, but I'm hopeful that the time away has made them realize what iRacing can do for the community because, yeah, I think the last year, not just losing the iRacing Indy 500, but like you say, some of those community events, the the Lionhearts Elite Racing Leagues, um, some of the really core communities that see people from around the globe fly to Indianapolis in the month of May to go and visit the track. I've been there the last two Mays, and I've met up with people from around the globe through the community. So, yeah, a lot of pain, and I think it's just glad that it's come to an end. It really has. Now, I have to say, and me and Justin were stressing this, Arjuna, is how important is this now for not just those who have already been a part of the open-wheel community on iRacing with IndyCar, but how more important is it for people to continue to be a part of that IndyCar community, help make it continue to grow, so that way, once you know this first you know round of licensure renewal happens for the next three years, that way, when those three years are up, iRacing and IndyCar will be like, all right, we're still going to continue it because we see the growth. How important is that for those people to continue to buy the content, race in these events, race in these leagues, and race in the open and official series? I can already tell you that looking at the participation numbers over the last couple of days since the announcement has happened, numbers have gone up crazy. It's It's been amazing to see how many people have been missing it and now feel like there are opportunities to jump back in. And I the iRacing Daytona 24 is only a, oh, a couple of days away, and that is one of the biggest if not the biggest sim racing events in the year. Would not be surprised if the iRacing Indy 500 this year across both its fixed and open you know, co- competitions ends up being similar in numbers. But I think kind of what this year really needs to be for the community is there are a lot of people who left in the last year um, and we've seen a couple of them start to jump back in. As much as we are going to get a lot of new people back into the community, uh, new people into the community, I should say, I really want to make sure that all of those people that left over the last year find their way back and feel comfortable. And uh, it comes at a great time because the car, the Delara IR18, is one of the best on iRacing. It's got multiple tire compounds. Uh, hopefully, the push-to-pass system will be updated so it matches what it is in the real world. Uh, but it is a dream to drive, and every top-level driver that I've talked to enjoys it. And so I think you're going to see this year a lot of top-level competition with it, and hopefully plenty of eyes. I have to agree with you on that. Now, Arjuna, let, let's go a little bit more into your history. You know, you mentioned you first started, of course, broadcasting just about the time that COVID hit. Uh, what made you want to get involved with broadcasting, and what made you want to be involved with iRacing, of course, and sim racing? Well, going back to sim racing in in particular, I think that's hard to say. Um, I've played a lot of arcade games over the years. Uh, Dirt 2 was one of my favorites for a while um, growing up. But 
back around 2017, I remember I put a post on Reddit where I wanted to do the Le Mans 24 on our racing, which was happening back then. And I found a couple of teammates. Um, the race didn't go great. It was like on three days notice, but I really enjoyed myself. And one of the people that I had done the race with has ended up being one of my best friends in sim racing, uh, sim racing since then. Um, basically, I enjoy driving, but I got to a point where I realized I was never going to be good enough to do really top level events. And so I kind of just started dabbling in broadcasting because I still wanted to be a part of some of the things that I was no longer racing in. Um, it kind of snowballed from there, though, because I don't think Taylor, anyone necessarily expected what COVID was going to do uh, to the sim racing world. <laughs> no, it certainly has not. I mean, that was <laughs> pretty much for all of us a big surprise of what we were to see coming when it came for sim racing as a whole going into that year. But it changed a lot and the things as far as perspectives with sim racing, the importance of esports. And now look at all of us here having a part of that in one way or another. But for you, Arjuna, you know, you've been able to take part of some very big events just this past year alone with either things involving the IMSA brand, even the VCO, which is probably one of the biggest things that you are a part of working here in this past couple of years. Yeah, you know, I look back on the last three, three and a bit years, and it's been a, it's been a whirlwind. I did 300 broadcasts last year. Uh, I say 300 broadcasts, that's the way I just track my events as billable things. So they're not all broadcasts, but like I do a lot of production behind the scenes. Um, uh, I don't just help manage things at RaceBot, but I helped run IMSA Esports. So there's a lot that I get to be a part of behind the scenes. And I think the one thing that I've just been grateful for is that there are so many amazing people and hardworking people in sim racing, like J JP in particular, Justin. Like I, When I started, me and him were doing a lot together and there's not many other people um, that work as much as JP, but we all have that same work ethic, that passion for wanting to do things as, as good as possible. And so the last year in particular has been quite good because I got to go work in person uh, for three esports events. One was a sim to real crossover thing, but you get to meet people that you interact with in the virtual world. Um, uh, Gustavo Ariel, for example, he's someone that me and uh, we've had a decent relationship on Discord. We met first in the summer. Had a, had a good time there. And then we met again later on. And we basically, most of the time when he wasn't in the real car and dealing with a bunch of actual stuff, we were chatting we, in the rental car together. And so, yeah, I'm just grateful that broadcasting has opened so many doors for me to get to be a part of so many awesome communities and meet so many amazing people. And I'm looking forward to this year as well, because uh, I'm, I think that there will hopefully be plenty more of that. I have to agree. And of course, you've already been broadcasting, I th believe, already here in 2024. A little but, bit. A little bit. But uh, I have to say, I think everyone's probably just looking forward to probably this weekend with the roar of the 20 before the 24 this weekend, iRacing special event, as well as also the big one that everyone's looking forward to the VCO Daytona 24, which, of course, you will be one of those main people, a part of that event happening next week. Yes. Um, there's. We had, what, 16,000 people do the Daytona 24 last year or something like that. It It is crazy uh, just to think about how global of an event it is. And, you know, last year we had a GTP car for the very first time. This year we're going to have all four that race last year. Um, and hopefully our racing, you know, with a close partnership with him. So we'll, we'll be looking to add some more. These special events, you know, I get to do so many of them, whether it's these endurance ones, dirt racing. Uh, we've had Crandon, Knoxville, 
and a whole bunch of other things. NIS, you know, the, the NASCAR racing. It's all about accessibility in motorsports. I grew up watching Formula One and World Rally Championship. Those were the two things that on TV in Singapore as a little kid, you could watch. And so I loved it. That's why Dirt 2 was so cool for me because, you know, that was rally. But I also got introduced to Rallycross for the first time. Um, that was a love of mine that I sort of got to come full circle with when I did the iRacing Rallycross World Championship. But those special events, um, I did, I've done the Chili Bowl four years in a row. I actually went to a dirt race last year and I loved it. It was amazing. Um, like I said, I've been to the Indy 500 the last two years in a row. If anyone's listening to this and you're thinking, oh, Daytona's great, but don't care about the rest of the special events. Uh, Try it. You will enjoy it, I think. And uh, if you don't, well, at least you've got to see what some other people enjoy in the world of motorsport. I have to agree. And, you know, like you said, you know, I, some of these special events that you go to, you know, and then, of course, you watch, you get to compete in it. You watch it, whether it be in person at the event in, and, you know, at these events or watching the at home on your television, whether it be the virtual event or the live event. It almost feels kind of a big connection that we see with drivers who compete in these events and then who go and either sit and watch these events in person and be like, I raced the virtual version. And some of them could say, I won that virtual event possibly in one split or another. So it's really special to see these things happening. And now with the Indy 500 returning here in 2024, once again, people who go in and compete in the virtual Indy 500 can then go to Indy maybe this year and be like, Hey, I got to race in this event virtually and maybe got to win. And who knows, maybe they got, when they finished the race, went to the kitchen, poured themselves a glass of milk and celebrated. As you must. Uh, that is a requirement. If you're doing a race at Indy, that's 500 miles or a race at Indy in general, just have milk in your fridge yeah. just in case. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I think the fi when the 500 in particular is such a unique event, right? Every other special event, for the most part, uh, I I'm drawing a very wide brush when we talk about 20-odd events over 52 weeks. But there, you know, iRacing splitting system, that's that divides the field by iRating, which is which is good, right? It, it helps put everyone in, in relatively even in field. But the iRacing Indy 500 historically has been the one event where you go out and you have to do the four lap average like they do in the real world you have to do that put it together to qualify for the top split and so i tried to do that uh back in 2020 i'm on a top level indycar team drivers that have won the last two open wheels 500 so i've got setups in the conversation about setups being important they are in indy i've got the setups that are good enough i wasn't i got like 58th out of whatever it was 1500 people and so i was only good enough for second split so Four laps at Indy, I've heard this from World Championship drivers on the roadside, is the hardest thing that you can do to put it together, be in front of the car in terms of your in-car adjustments. And so when I, I haven't gotten to watch a qualifying weekend yet, but I've got to see the race a couple of times. And so I've loved that experience. To your point, Taylor, I cannot wait till I get the opportunity to go and watch a qualifying weekend because I watched Scott Dixon break that, whatever it was, those speed records, and I went, Oh my days, that's amazing. I have friends who were there in person and were like, you can't even imagine. So looking forward to that. With a lot of the excitement and news coming through as of late, Arjuna, what, in your opinion, is that roadmap like for 2024, for especially the esports side, in your opinion, for the motorsports? Because that has been a conversation point in the past couple of weeks for ourselves too, but... It is a conversation point that's starting to ring louder because 
a lot of times now past since the 2020 boom time. What, in your opinion, needs to be done for 2024 at this point, or you see that map going towards with the way the trends are starting to be set and what we're seeing with the other different markets right now that we haven't seen on the iRacing side hit the ramifications to yet? Well, one thing I'll just say is we're coming off, of course, what was it, news yesterday or today that Twitch is laying off 500 employees. So uh, it's no surprise, I think, to a lot of people that a lot of different esports entities are in trouble. And sim racing enjoyed such a big boom that I think a lot of people will be wondering, inevitably, at some point, it's got to fall off. Um, What I think, though, is I look at how the community side of sim racing has developed, and I... I marvel in how many different unique communities there are. Um, just speaking of RaceBot as an example, on Monday nights we have World GT, uh, which is a world sim racing thing on in European evenings. Then we go on over into real sim racing, which is NASCAR, uh, cup racing. And then we also have two prototype series in the Precision Racing League. And we'll have alongside that starting this week, uh, or next week, I should say, the IndyCar Open Series, since we can broadcast that stuff again. So I look at how diverse it is, and I go, that's incredible. I think at the top level of esports, where, of course, um, there has been a lot of change in the last three or four years with different entities and teams coming in and going out, I think this year what we will hopefully see is stability for drivers, because uh, what we don't want to see, uh, I know, it's very pertinent given some of the conversation and road to pro this past week on social media, but drivers need to be comfortable in directing their attention to the tournaments and the the series where they feel like a, their time is best served because we spend a lot of time in sim racing. We want to get the most return for that, but also in cases where there are people doing quote unquote, full-time sim racing, they are getting the monetary return that they need. Um, And so I'm hoping that this year, it's not too different from last year. Of course, eNASCAR stuff starting to be announced. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that more stuff will be picking up in the next couple of weeks as well as more and more, not just iRacing World Championships, but uh, looking at some other esports championships as well. Uh, Digital Nürburgring Endurance Series is in a couple of weeks' time. So hoping that plenty of these series can just keep rolling with the momentum that they built up over the last couple of years. It was just about to touch upon when you mentioned the community side. That is a great point because... Justin Yee is now a YouTuber, but is someone that's been on the oval side for a fair amount of time. He's not at the pro level, but is someone that's picked up a lot of traction as one of the top up-and-coming iRacing YouTubers. He had a good point about this in the past week, where for a lot of the other esports platforms in regards to the virtual racing side, one of the main things is they have a huge player base, but a small viewership base. One of the main things is for iRacing is they've converted a lot more of its player base to viewers. When you look at the percentages, they're in line with the biggest platforms, but iRacing's gotten to where they bring in more total number of their membership base to watch along with the races. And I think, again, that shows the strength of the community in numbers where it's so tight-knit where you'll have... 20, 30 family members gather around the TV to watch their favorite, or or, I'm, I was about to say their favorite child <laughs> run in the race, but that's a bad way to say that. Yes. Their, their children race in league races. No, no, no. I know what you're saying. Uh, I guess this is going a bit 
inside baseball because I have a lot of visibility into the stats at Racebot, but I broadcast across the platforms and across of not just top level tournaments on different platforms, but I, I do enjoy doing community level series as well. So I make sure I get to stay involved with like my IndyCar community on the Mondays moving forward. Um, I think what iRacing has done a great job of overall is like you say, we have those community broadcasts that are so vibrant and so healthy and gets so much attention in chat as well. Like I look at some of the times that you just as a commentator can go back and forth with the family members watching along and it's, and it's great. Um, maybe I will put a, uh, I will slightly push back on that suggestion that iRacing has converted more of its population to watching its esports than other platforms because I think if you look at it from an esports competitive standpoint, just because iRacing has so many members, I don't think that's necessarily going to be true. What I do think is that iRacing, especially the streaming side of iRacing, is so much more, again, I'll use the same word, vibrant as, unfortunately, some of the other sim racing platforms. And partially that's to do with iRacing structure, you know, the regular races. And so Casey Kerwin is a great example of, I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, he described himself as a streamer who also happens to do a bit of esports and he's capable of jumping from car to car talking and, and you know, engaging with his community while he's driving and so i think it's really remarkable in that sense i think as a just broadcaster personally i just enjoy doing iRacing racing because it's where i'm comfortable and let's be honest as well a lot of us like to look at the nitty gritty details of what broadcasts look like i think iRacing racing is a broadcasting tool because of the way the tv cameras work the cars end up looking from a weight transfer perspective uh overall it's the best broadcasting package and so um also as a series organizer you know i'm very comfortable with the way i can manage things like mc esports on it so i think it provides us such a great uh platform and baseline from which to work from and, and so i think that's part of uh the success to, that we are seeing not just in viewer figures but player base as well well, Arjuna, as we come to a close here, where can people go to follow you as we get ready for another crazy and hectic year with broadcasting in 2024 and keep up to date with all things over at Racebot? I don't. Unfortunately, I'm not active enough on social media. One of my resolutions is to try and schedule a few more posts. So Arjuna Kanki Party, it's pretty simple across Twitter and Instagram. Those are probably the only two things that I'll post on regularly. Racebot, go and subscribe to us on YouTube because... We basically have something every day of the week at this point. And uh, yeah, uh, the other place, of course, uh, I'll just plug the iRacing Esports Network because that's where the iRacing Roar, the Daytona 24 is going to be and uh, plenty more things moving forward. Well, as we come to a close here on this episode, everyone, of course, coming up this weekend, we have two special events happening. Of course, we have the iRacing Roar Before the 24, utilizing the TCR, GT4, and LMP3s. And for some other special events, one special event, of course, kicking off this weekend is the Majors, one of the biggest iRacing series events happening this weekend. Their first round at Fuji Speedway, utilizing GTP cars, LMP2, and GT3 cars as they handle the Predator. An exciting race. Catch all the action, of course, on multiple streaming platforms this weekend. And we look forward to seeing more action, especially when it comes to the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series on iRacing, powered by, of course, none other than Thrustmaster. We look forward to discuss more of that. But for that, for our special guest, Arjuna Kankapati, our producer, Richard Colbreth, and my partner in crime, Justin Prince, I'm Taylor Burris. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the iRacers Download.